going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome into the Bell Ringer podcast hosted by Sixers Wire of USA Today Sports Media Group. I am your host, the editor of the Sixers Wire site, Kai Carlin. I got my guy with me now, formerly with DraftKings, Nick Fryer. What's going on, man? Well, wait, I'm formerly your guy? Because I'm still with DraftKings. I got, how did I become formerly your guy? Just because I'm not with a company anymore? God. Yep. Yep, that's how it works. That, that, that's how it works. You're not a part of the SMG family anymore, man. Well, everybody else still likes me over there, so I don't think that it's, <laughs> wow, it's just you. Okay, I see how it is now. So now I'm just going to trash Wait, the section all time now. Quick question, quick question. Did, before we dive into anything, what, I haven't seen it yet. You're, have you seen the Snyder Cut Justice League yet? I did, yes. Was it good? Did, should I watch it? Okay, well, look, Kai, it's four hours, and you don't like Batman. So uh, generally, it's I'm going to – four hours? Yeah, you didn't know it was four hours? No. Yeah, so I would say, no, you probably shouldn't watch it. You probably won't like it. If you do, they, they cut it into six chapters. So I would do it like that. I, I just think that would be better for you. But I liked it. Yeah, I think it was better than the original Justice League that we got. Okay, I haven't. I didn't see the original Justice League because I heard it was oh. trash. Oh, well, I'm curious then if you end up liking this one. But – they, look, if it was a theatrical version, they could have made what we got. Instead of the four hours, they could have made it two and a half, I think, maybe three. Because I heard the original Justice League was trash. So that's why I didn't, that's why I didn't watch it. And I that- thought it was fine at, like, at best, like maybe like a C, maybe, maybe a B movie, but more likely a C movie. But you wouldn't like it. It's, it's got Batman in it. But and then but I'm also a big Marvel guy. Like event, like all the Avengers movies are great. Even Age of Ultron. Now that I've I just got done watching WandaVision, mm-hmm. Age, Age of Ultron took on like a different meaning for me. Yeah, so, because of everything that happened in WandaVision. So mm-hmm. it's like, and now I'm watching the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I can't wait for episode two to come out on Friday. Yeah. So I mean, like you know, I'm all into the Marvel and things like that. You can like both. I will say that I like both. I'm, I'm got to check it out, man. I'll, I'll check out the Snyder Cut at some point. At some point, I will. Trade deadline day, March 25th. We are recording this one on March 26th, obviously a day after the deadline. But the Philadelphia 76ers, they made a minor move. It wasn't the move people thought that they were going to make. Everybody kind of had their eyes on Kyle Lowry, bring him back to Philadelphia, went to school at Villanova. But instead, Daryl Morey company, they went out and got a solid point guard in George Hill. I mean, it was a three-team deal with the Oklahoma City Thunder and the New York Knicks. They shipped out Tony Bradley. They shipped out Terrence Ferguson and Vincent Poirier. And I think like four second-round picks. And in return, they got George Hill. It's a solid move. It's not Kyle Lowry, but George Hill is a solid player. I, I was surprised about Tony Bradley, too, because I know he's been playing a role with Joel Embiid uh, being out for this, you know, the stress that he has. But it's look, it's a fine move. It's not really moving the needle a ton, I think, for the Sixers. They're still – well – I wanted to say that they're still the second best team in the East to the Brooklyn Nets, you know, with Kevin Durant healthy, of course, but I'm not so sure after the trade deadline where they, if they made that move for Lowry, then I would say they definitively still are, but I don't know, man, the heat getting Oladipo. I think that's. Listen, the heat getting Victor Oladipo and probably LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, we'll, we'll dive into that too, because I, I, I agree that the heat are definitely now pushing themselves in the conversation a little bit, but mm-hmm. when it comes to the heat though, I, I still don't think that they can beat, you know, say the Sixers in a seven-game series, or they could beat Brooklyn. Milwaukee would even be tough for them. You know, oh, so. they've already done it. They can beat Milwaukee. You don't don't start backpedaling on your Milwaukee stuff. No, I'm just I'm just saying, like like you know, like the Heat, like Lamarcus Aldridge would be a terrific addition if they can get him. But it's it's not like Aldridge is still that All Star twenty and ten guy. Like right? I think he's averaging fourteen and seven this year for San Antonio. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that would kind of be my concern. But listen, we'll get into that a yeah. little bit later. Uh, the George Hill edition, Nick. I mean, if you really look back on it, 
He's a career 38.4% shooter from deep. Mm-hmm. He's got 127 playoff games on his resume. He shot 46% from deep last season for the Milwaukee Bucks. And he's been to the NBA Finals with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's been to the Eastern Conference Finals with both the Bucks and the Indiana Pacers. He's a guy who's got a ton of playoff experience. He played for Pop in San Antonio even to begin his career. Um, I mean, listen, all he has to do is run the offense and shoot three-pointers. Like, like that's really all they're asking for him. And everybody's going to come back, oh, what about Shake and Tyrese? Shake and Tyrese or Matt Ty- Shake Milton and Tyrese Maxey are scorers. And that's something a lot of people really got to kind of figure out. Like, sure, they can handle the ball, but they're not going to run the offense the way George Hill is. And the thing that Daryl Morey and company like about him, Nick, he, he's a two-way player. Mm-hmm. He plays both sides of the floor. It's not like he just focuses on offense. He's a pretty good defender as well. I think this look. It's a, it's a solid ad for the Sixers. I to me, it's. I want to say it's not. Part of me wants to say it's not an all-in move by them, but at the same time, I think it also shows the kind of faith that Maury has in the guys that are already there and what Doc Rivers has already been doing with them. And like you, and you know, I know you guys talked to him the other day, and he kind of gave you some insight on the young pieces that he may have had to move on from and necessarily didn't want to. And I think that shows like, okay, so he has some faith in shake and maxi. So, and, and I think he should to some extent as well. Um, but I think also with Hill, what, what I wanted, one thing I wanted with Lowry is as much as, you know, Kawhi was the reason that the Raptors won and whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the bounce and whatever, but he has that experience of winning and Hill, when he made it with the Cavs, that was not the year that the Cavs won, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, they lost that year. Still, he right, but still, he has plenty of experience. He's obviously a vet, and you need a veteran voice. So, just adding another one like that midway through the season to a team that is a potential contender, I think, makes a huge difference. So, I don't know if that. I don't. I still don't think that. Like, yes, they'll compete against the Nets when they face them in the postseason because I still believe that these are the top two teams. As much as I think the Heat are like right on the Sixers' heels now with the addition of Oladipo. I think that I think this hill hill move was a a solid move. I give it like if we're grading it a B. Yeah, I'd say a B. Yeah, B is fine. I mean, I kind of agree with uh, with the B rate with the B grade as well. But I mean, and you and you kind of alluded to it. Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers have done such a good job ever since they took over here in Philadelphia. I mean, you got to remember this team was a six seed last year. Granted, they had Al Horford. That the Horford thing just obviously didn't fit Mm -hmm. and they also had Josh Richardson who is a fine solid player but he also didn't really fit in with the pieces that they had so ever since Maury took over he's really brought in his guys you know what I'm saying and and when I say his guys I mean guys who can play both ends of the floor guys who can put up three pointers and guys who can knock them down efficiently Um, and I feel like Hill is going to be able to kind of fit right in here and really run the offense uh, when it comes to the Kyle Lowry thing, I did ask Daryl about it. Uh, and, you know, and, and people remember uh, the asking price that Toronto was asking for was the rookie Tyrese Maxey, second-year defensive stud Matisse Thibel, and two first-round picks in exchange for Lowry, who, turns, who turned 35 on uh, trade deadline day. And he also wanted a two-year extension because he enters free agency this year. That's a little risky to make a move like that. So Daryl said, and I quote, we kept all of our important assets going forward. We really felt good about this option, meaning George Hill. It allows us to really upgrade our team for the playoff wars to come. And at the same time, keep all our bullets if an option in the future becomes available. Now, 
Daryl has a good point. George Hill is a guy, as I mentioned, he's been through a lot of playoff wars between Cleveland, Indiana, Milwaukee. He's going to bring that to Philadelphia. And when you think about it, Nick, the Sixers are still a relatively young team if we're going to really kind of think about it. Uh, I mean, yeah, listen. True. Yeah, I mean, listen. Shake is only in his third year. Tyrese is a rookie. Uh, ben and Joel, uh, you know, as both those guys are legitimate superstars in this league, they're still really young. Ben's 20, 24, and Joel is 26. So this is a team that and, – and, you know, they've never been past the second round either. So bringing in a guy like Danny Green in the offseason and then George Hill at the trade deadline, you know, it, it, that valuable playoff experience, Dwight Howard as well, that valuable experience goes a really long way in the playoffs, as you would know too. Yeah, and I think the other thing too is you've, you've already talked about it a smidge, but I feel like I'm ignoring it, is the, the fact that he's, he can help space the floor. And we've yeah, seen, yeah. Like, obviously, we know how important that is to Daryl Morey, and, but we've also seen how important that is for the Sixers. We, we saw it when it was working when you had J.J. Redick. Then when you moved away from it and tried to put it all on you know, Josh Richardson, who that's not really what he you – know, he can't – they put too much on him in that role. Right. Um, and then and Tobias Harris asking him to do so much more in that department as well. Now you have George Hill on top of Seth Curry and Danny Green. So now it's like you have three options to go with Tobias Harris who can help with that as well. So I, I think that, that in that sense too, that's, that's kind of why I say a B versus a B minus because this is a helpful piece for them. You just put what Maury's doing now. Like you said, he's, he's looking towards the future, which I think is important. I understand that. But when you have a chance to win now, that's my only reason why it's like, you should, I think still you should have gone after Lowry. This I is a chance to win now with, you know, I know Durant is, is makes it so much harder for everybody with, with Harden in Brooklyn, but the Sixers are with LeBron's whole issue going on out there and AD more so than anything. It just, as much as the Nuggets got a lot better out in the West, it just feels like right now it's if whoever, like if anybody can knock off the Nets in the East, they are going to have a, a really, really good chance to take the whole thing in the finals. No, for, no, listen, for sure. And I understand that, but you know, I also feel like um, you also have to keep your flexibility for the future. And that's a word Daryl kind of kept throwing out uh, during his press conference on Thursday night was the fact that he used the word optionality a lot. And, and that's a word Daryl likes to throw out a lot. Like Daryl likes to throw out that word. He threw that out in his introductory press conference back in November. Uh, he, he, he said that, yeah, I love it when they get buzzwords like like it happens so often. I feel like in the NBA, where guys just like they come up with a word on the spot, and then everybody just starts using it all the time for the year. Exactly. I mean, listen, listen, that's how it works, dude. That's legit how it works. Because he did that on draft night too. He mentioned optionality like three, four times, like you know, on draft night after they traded for Seth and um, you know, Danny Green as well. Mm -hmm. So, you you know, like listen, that that's Daryl Morey. So I look at the Sixers right now. Do I think they're in a better spot? Yes, but not like too much better because because as we both mentioned George Hill he uh, I do believe he's an upgrade but at the end of the day it's not like he's Kyle Lowry Kyle Lowry definitely would have been the better option it's just at the end of the day it was it was a trick it was a move that like you just you really couldn't pull the trigger on considering what Toronto was asking for um and then I, I, clearly Toronto was asking for too much Nick because Kyle Lowry is still a Toronto Raptor yeah trade deadline so yeah I mean because every everybody and their mother was apparently in on him right because the Sixers were in the Lakers were in and then I think the Heat were the other team that were in on him right the big yeah, the ones yeah, the Miami Heat were the, were the, was the other team, and I guess the Heat didn't want to give up either Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson, which I'm still not really understanding why the Heat loved Tyler Hero so much. Um, I mean, listen, get, he had a hell of a bubble. Um, 
But um, it's kind of like the, the thing that you and I were talking about. If you have a chance to win a championship, I mean, you feel like Lowry can be the one to put you over the top, then, like, sure, do it. Clearly, Philadelphia didn't believe he, he was the guy. But if you're in Miami, I mean, Hero and Robinson, like, what did the – I don't know. I, yeah, I don't, but, did, I don't wait, but didn't they end up giving up next to nothing for Oladipo? Yeah, that, and, and that's a big thing. Pat Riley, I, yeah, Pat Riley that, was like, all right. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do that a million times out of a million for Oladipo over Lowry. Yeah, because, I mean, listen, Oladipo's obviously younger. Uh, and Oladipo, and again, people are like, people are acting like Victor Oladipo was washed and he wasn't good after the injury and things like that. A lot of people have to remember when, when you're in a losing situation, like you were in Houston this year, losing 20 straight games <sighs> and, and just the toxic environment, the toxic energy that, you know, permeated through the entire Houston Rockets organization so far this year. Uh, listen, your numbers are not going to be great because men- mentally you're just not going to be there. Mentally, you're just not going to be locked in, and, and you're just you're going to be wandering somewhere else. Because like it's different when you're bad, like uh, let's say the Pistons, when you're losing on purpose. You have a plan. You got young guys. When you're the Houston Rockets, and you were expected to be okay this year, and then everything happened with Russell Westbrook and James Harden, and then you move those guys out, and then you got John Wall and Demarcus Cousins and Victor Oladipo. Then you get rid of Cousins because things weren't working out there. Then Wall gets hurt, and then you know Victor Oladipo gets hurt, and just things weren't good in houston yeah so, it's been a mess and is and i see so i i i think that's fair and generally speaking i would say well if it's a star and it's a and he's in a losing situation well then maybe he's not really a star maybe he doesn't deserve to have that type of status anymore maybe he never did i don't know but like when you look at aldridge right the spurs they've struggled it's him and it's him and DeRozan there right i know DeJounte murray and everything but aldridge is not what he used to be he cannot be one of your top three guys it's evident with Oladipo, I think the part of the problem is, look, I get everybody's always like John Wall since he was in college and stuff like that and the dance and everything. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I the dude's been unlucky with the injury too, of course, when it, or out for what was it, two plus years. Yeah. But I think part of the problem is in Houston, like Harden, all that stuff you talk about with the culture, I agree with you 100%. But I also think that Wall is not somebody you should be investing in as your one or, or number one or number two. Well, not this stage of his problem. career, yeah. Not, like, like yeah. yeah, definitely not this stage of his career. Yeah, and now, again, he's also coming off an injury, too. So I expect him to look a lot different next year. And I do with Oladipo, too, because I know I saw it with Gordon Hayward when he was in Boston. That first year back, not the same guy. I get it was Kyrie and, and Marcus Morris were still around, and it was, like, not enough, you know, not enough basketballs for all the guys. But by the next year, Hayward looked a lot more like his old self, or at least a revitalized version of himself, whatever. He was a lot more effective. I fully expect that to happen with Oladipo next season, too. Right, right. And, I mean, like, I feel like with Miami's quote-unquote culture that they just continue to permeate, you know, through their organization, Mm -hmm. and then having him next to a guy like Jimmy Butler and having him next to Bam Adebayo and possibly, as you alluded to, LaMarcus Aldridge, the Heat are definitely going to be a lot tougher. They're in a much better spot um, than they were before the deadline. And also, that takes a lot of more pressure on Duncan Robinson, I feel like, because now Robinson really just has to f- just fire up three-pointers. It just it, it, did feel, it did feel like this season that, like, even though he was still firing up a bunch of threes, that the Heat had to ask him to do a little bit more just because of all the injuries that they had to, you know, sustain and COVID mm-hmm. and everything else. So I feel like Robinson can kind of go back to his role. Um, you know, I, w- real quick, I will say as much as part of me looks at it and says this is not the greatest thing in the world for the Sixers because now the Heat are, I, I believe, uh, the third best team in the Eastern Conference or they will be, you know, come postseason and stuff like that. Yeah. If the Heat inch their way up to the third seed, that I, I haven't looked at the math for it, but if they are at the third seed by the time the postseason starts and they face the Nets, like the Sixers need to keep that top seed. 
uh, because if the Heat and the in the Nets meet in the postseason, yeah, sure, I give the advantage to the Nets still, but that's going to be a dogfight, and that will help the Sixers come, you know, the Eastern Conference Finals time. Here, here's the thing, though: the Bucks are, are probably going to be either the two or the three seed going into. Uh, no, the they'll slip. They'll slip. They'll slip. Not, not, not the regular season. The Bucks are a regular season basketball team. Uh, you're right. Like, like, right. This, like, listen, the Bucks are a regular season basketball team. Like, listen, there's a reason why that team's always at the one seed or whatever going into playoffs last couple of years. So Miami's probably going to go in as a four or a five, but it does make them a little, bit, a lot more tougher now that they went out and got Oladipo and Aldridge. But even Oladipo, right? You know, back to what I was saying in a tough situation with the Houston Rockets, we're still averaging 21.2 points, five assists, five rebounds. Shooting numbers were a little down. He was only shooting 40% from the floor, 32% from deep, but he was shooting 36% from deep with the Indiana Pacers before that deal. So, uh, I mean, listen, Ola Depot, I feel like is going to be a really perfect glove like fit for Miami. And if they can get Aldridge, um, you know, you're only going to need Aldridge to average the 14 and seven that he averaged with the Spurs. You're not going to ask him to do anything more. Right. And I feel, and Aldridge is a better player than Kelly Olenek at the end of the day. So um, I've, I've got <laughs> yeah. like the, the heat, the, the heat got themselves in a much better position. I think the Sixers position themselves a lot better. I'm interested to see what the Brooklyn Nets do. I still believe Brooklyn is probably going to come out of the Eastern conference with all the talent that they have. It doesn't really matter what these other teams do. But if the Nets get, you know, another big guy to kind of at least battle Joel Embiid a little bit, that's definitely going to help Brooklyn's cause. The thing is, though, the only big man out there is freaking Andre Drummond, and he's not very good, Nick. He's not. Yeah, you are. You are as anti- well, apparently Andre Drummond wants to go to the Knicks. I don't know what the hell that's all about. I saw Stefan Bondi tweet about it, and then I asked a Knicks fan, and I was like, wait a second. Like, did I know? Wait, what? I read that it's because I think the Knicks have a lot more to offer him long term. Than, than the Nets do. I, like, I think the Knicks, I think I read somewhere that the Knicks can offer him like more money or the Knicks can offer him a, a larger role over <sighs> the long term, something like that. No, they can like definitely that. offer him a larger role, but they don't offer him a good chance to win. That's not, that's for sure. As much I mean, as Julius Randle. They're actually fifth in the Eastern Conference standing right now. I don't know why I thought the Knicks were lower. The Heat are number seven right now. They'll be number four by, by postseason, guaranteed, which would mean that they're on, on pace to face the Sixers in the semis. Yeah, they are. I mean, listen, it's going to be it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think one other underrated move, Nick, that happened at the deadline were the moves by the Chicago Bulls, like bringing in mm. da- Daniel Tice from the Celtics and the big one trading for Nikola Vucevic from the Orlando Magic. Which, by the way, finally, Orlando, thank you for realizing you're not a good basketball team. Thank you for realizing that you weren't going to win with that core, and it was time to pack it up and rebuild. <laughs> because for two years, Nick, they were the sixth seed. No, they were the seventh seed in 2019. Remember, and they lost to Toronto despite winning game one. They lost that series in five games. Um, and then they were the eight seed uh, in 2020. And again, they took game one from the Milwaukee Bucks, but then lost the next four games. So it was like, again, you, this is who you are. Like, this is who you are, Orlando Magic. Trade these guys and move on. They moved mm-hmm. Nikola Vucevic. They moved Aaron Gordon to the Denver Nuggets. Sent Evan Fournier to the Boston Celtics. Who would um, move? For the yeah. I mean, listen, Ooh. Fournier averaged 19 a game this year for the Magic. You know, you could do that for Boston. I, he's solid. I just can't believe that Aaron Gordon wound up in Denver. I did not see that one coming. They got him and they got McGee off the bench now. I, I mean. Yeah, Denver traded for JaVale McGee. The Nuggets positioned themselves a lot better for the playoff mm-hmm. run. And remember, Denver did make the Western Conference Finals last year in the bubble. It's not like Denver is a bad team. So, I mean, and you add that to Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. 
it just sucks that, you know, they had to move Gary Harris. Gary Harris's career really has kind of taken a little bit of a dip last couple of years. So hopefully mm-hmm. he can refine himself down in Orlando. A lot less pressure down there because it's Orlando. Um, but yeah. Uh, but I did, I did like the moves from the Bulls. I, I, I agree. You see yeah, the, the Vucevic move. Now it's Vucevic and, and Levine there. They got something going there. They, 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 they've got a little – I'm excited for Chicago. And I like to see the Bulls, you know, somewhat relevant. It's been a, a little while. Yeah, and then also, uh, listen, you add that to the rookie Patrick Williams, who's having a really solid season. I like him a lot. Uh, and then you also have Kobe White at running, oh, yeah. at running things at point guard. Like, the Bulls are a solid team moving forward, man. They're going to be okay. Um, you know, listen – it, this is going to be a lot of fun. Like, both, all of these teams that made the, that made these trades between the Celtics, the Nets. Um, well, Nets didn't make any moves, but I feel like they're going to make a move in the buyout market. The Bulls making some moves. The Heat making two big moves. And then, obviously, Philadelphia making a move for George Hill. That I, I, Again, I do believe that that's going to be a move that's going to help them a bit moving forward. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, I am still taking the Brooklyn Nets. I am not. I am not, you know, moving off that perch. I said that even before the James Harden deal. I said opening night, net, the Nets are going to the NBA Finals. I'm telling you. So the problem that I run into is I just don't like Kevin Durant. I, I get that he's, you know, he legitimately had a hamstring thing that kept him out for a bit, but it's been he hasn't played since I left Nets Wire Kai, and I, I to me it's just it, it's annoying. Like he's going to do that, and then he's going to come back for a month, and then they're just going to win the whole thing. I would like to see somebody step up and be like, no, we've been here. We work the entire season. You're not just going to go and coast. I get your Kevin Durant, but sorry, we're not just going to take it. So I'm not, I, I, I grew up a uh, Celtics fan, so I, I don't like the Nets because they were, that was when they were beating the Celtics. I don't like the Lakers. I don't want to see them win under any circumstances, and I don't like the Sixers. But, like, guess what? I'd rather see the Sixers go and beat the Nets right now. And I'd rather see – and Heat, too, they had LeBron. I'd like to see both of that happen. So, I'm hoping nah. one of those two step up. Nah. L- l- listen, when Durant comes back, um, which I'm going to guess is going to be somewhere around maybe the second week of April. <laughs> Jesus. So Mild hamstring strain. That's the, that's the email I got from Nets PR. I know, I know. Not to it knock is. the PR team. It's not their fault. It, it is what it is, man. Point is, I'm going to say second week of April, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> The net season, I think, is set to end May, um, May 16th, I believe. And then the playoffs begin May 22nd this year because, you know, the play-in tournament and everything. So, which I'm excited about. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that to happen. Um, sure. But, yeah, so, the, so Durant's going to have about a month to, you know, really get everything down with Kyrie and, and James Harden and uh, Blake Griffin now. All of a sudden, he's dunking. Uh, and, then, and then whoever the Nets pick up in the buyout market, which – Aldridge is actually going to set to meet with them. I mean, he's, I know the Heat are the front runners for Aldridge, but if the Nets get Aldridge, I mean, who knows? But, um, I mean, God, I mean, the names that they have in Brooklyn is just crazy because as much as John Drummond's not what he once was, like, he's still like just the names. It's just crazy. What was he? But, uh, I mean, he was, he was, he was a solid player back in the day. Wasn't he all, wasn't he all NBA once? Twice? All right, you know what I've read? I actually this is this is actually from an anom- an anonymous scout. I read this like I think when the Cavaliers first kind of told Andre like you know we're not going to play you no more. Oh, I right? would say DeAndre Jordan. I apologize. Not not either way. Go ahead. So the the scout says Andre Drummond can have thirty and twenty in a game and have no impact on the game. Like like yeah, like, I, 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 like, that's, like that's your favorite quote I think of all time. Like listen, because it's it's the truth. It's the truth. I'm telling you right now. Andre Drummond to me is like the 13th or 14th best center in the game. Like there were like 12, 13 centers I would take over him. That's, I understand that. I, I apologize. I meant DeAndre Jordan. Um, you have, you have, you know, 
both players from both members of Lob City back in the day, of course, minus Chris Paul. Then you have two guys who have won MVPs. You have Kyrie Irving. It's just and then Joe Harris has turned into you know one of the best three point shooters in the league. Joe Harris and, is a bucket. Landry Schmidt, who I feel like you know there are other guys who you can mix in and out, but everybody knows who he is. Just the 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 name recognition in Brooklyn is is uh, is ridiculous. And that, and that's why I got Brooklyn winning the title. I mean, well, not winning the title. I don't know if they win the title, but I do believe they come out of the Eastern Conference because I just I don't understand. I don't see how you can lock those three guys up four times over a seven game series. I'm just I'm not sure how you can do it. Okay, are you not – I don't feel good about Anthony Davis' situation right now. I, I don't I, – so I think that there's a good chance that he doesn't play the rest of the year just because it's an Achilles thing. Yeah, it's I been don't weird, right? Him. I do it's not blame weird, him right? for that. You, you, like Achilles stuff, you do not mess around with it. And if that happens, we know what LeBron minus AD in L.A. looks like. So if you're saying the, the Nets aren't a lock – if they're a lock to win the East, in my opinion – there's only one team right now positioned to possibly beat them in the, in the Western Conference, and that's the Nuggets. But I think that team has just as good of a chance as the Sixers, and you don't think the Sixers stand a chance. No, no, no. I think the Sixers will push them. I think it will go six, seven games. But the, okay. the, but the, the, the thing is, though, when the game gets tight, and, in, in, you know, the, and, uh, the Sixers, sure, they got Joel Embiid, who has been clutch all season, and Tobias Harris really has taken huge steps forward. But when you look at Brooklyn – Kyrie Irving is a proven bona fide closer when, when, when the game went on the line. Kevin Durant is a proven bona fide closer with the game on the line. And so is James Harden. So, like, the way I see it is normally when teams match up, the, the, the team with the best player normally wins the series, right? Of course. Uh, almost always, yes. Brooklyn's going to have – the bubble. Brooklyn's going – yeah, right, except for in the bubble. Brooklyn is going to have the three best players in, in, in no matter what series they play. Except, except maybe when they play Philadelphia, they have the two best players because I would take Harden and Durant right. over Embiid uh, before, and then I would take Embiid over Kyrie Irving. But like, like mm-hmm. that, like that is that is the big key. It just it kind of reminds me of the big three era down in Miami with LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. How they just ran through the Eastern Conference, at, you know, every single year, and you know. Even even their first year down in Miami, 2010-11. Granted, they didn't deal with the injury issues that the, that the Nets are dealing with right now, but they made the NBA Finals. Uh, they lost to Dallas, um, which I still believe that Mavericks playoff ch- championship run was such a fluke. Like like if you're going to look look back on that, like they had they had the lightning in the bottle, like dirt. Hey man, to get to get that sometimes, and you got to roll with it. Yeah, they, that's I was going to say that was an instance where the team with the best player. And the second best player in the series didn't win. The so Maver- it can happen. The Mavericks to me, just, just, they were like the lightning. They had the perfect lightning in the bottle scenario there. Like that. That's just that. That's just me though. Anywho, it, you don't know, man. And and like the Nets are really cautious with with their guys. I mean, in the playoffs, they'll probably be a little bit different about it. But yeah, in the playoffs, in the playoffs, I feel like if this was the playoffs, Durant would be playing right now. Like that's just me. I I tend to I tend to agree as well. It's just I, I don't. But I, that's part of what annoys me in this whole thing is. Just... Well, listen, the Sixers are doing the same thing with Embiid. Like the Embiid was supposed to be reevaluated in two weeks. It has been two weeks since his yeah, well, but Embiid, the injury. Look, Embiid and, and, has missed. Go ahead. Sorry. And like and like the Sixers have said, they're going to remain cautious with them because they're winning games and it's the regular season. If this was the playoffs, they probably Embiid probably would return, but. I mean, at this point, in a compact season where you're playing games literally every other day, you don't have much practice time uh, to really do much. Uh, you're going to be as cautious as you possibly can 
with your top players to get them ready for the playoffs. This is kind of how I see it. Totally different with Embiid, in my opinion, because uh, Durant, look, he got screwed with the COVID stuff the second time around, and obviously the first time is an unfortunate, unfortunate situation. Thankfully, neither time he had it. But he missed six games, I think, or maybe uh, like six and a half between those two games. Yeah, six and a half. Night, <laughs> weird night in Toronto. But he, there's that. And then – and then he's missed this whole stretch of games after what they said was a mild hamstring injury. Now it's just a bunch of, bunch of caution, whatever. But he's like this team, as much as they're, they're still a force. And when, you know, when hit Harden came to town, things changed quite a bit. I just like, he's Durant and, like was having some, some issues like with, you know, getting off uh, the rust early in the season. And I, and maybe now he's just completely got it figured out. I don't know, but I feel like that is just not an ideal thing to be dealing with going right into the postseason. Whereas Embiid, like he's played with these guys, like as much as they've, they've made some adjustments along the way, he knows this team. So I don't, I just, to me, I don't, I don't like that. Like that's why it bugs me less. So um, more so with Durant than Embiid. Listen, give Durant a month. He'll be fine. I mean, Again, this is it's Kevin Durant we're talking about here. I hate to here. say it, but you're probably right. And I just, but that's the thing, dude. I, I you just show up and then okay, I get it. I show up now. I want it. I, I'm getting what I want. I just, I don't like that. I want people who work their their ass off all season. Hey, when you're when work. you're a great player, it don't matter. And it's not like Durant's not working behind the scenes. It's not like Durant is out here just sitting on his ass and be like, all right, I'm ready yeah. to go. Yeah, like, no, I, I know, I know the dude doesn't just show up, and I know he he loves basketball and everything. Like I get that. That's all I'm saying. It's just. You know, you got him doing him away, and then Kyrie's just, you know, in and out, whatever, and we're just – he's different, and that's fine. It makes it okay, I guess. I don't know. I just – I like I like seeing what the Heat do, I, and, and I like what the Sixers have done and how Doc has remade things for down there for them. I would rather see one of them get it, and I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. That's, that's all I'm saying. If you think it's not out of the realm of possibility for a Western Conference team to knock off the Nets in the finals, then it's not out of the realm of possibility for the Heat – or the Nets, not the Bucks, though. I'm a disbeliever in the Bucks, and that is all thanks to you. Well, I mean, listen, because if you looked out, look at the past, Mike Boonholzer led teams. They don't really do well. Now, real quick, I, I want to get into the life of an NBA beat writer right now, real quick, because I have. Tra- <laughs> listen, I have. Tra- I've traveled this year. Um, not every game. I haven't traveled to every game, but I've mm. been to. I've been to Orlando, Detroit, Tampa, uh, New York, and DC this year. Right. Wow. Um, and I and I actually plan on going to New Orleans in a couple of weeks. So, Ooh, yeah, because I've never been to New Orleans, so I definitely I definitely want to. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna take a trip down there. I think. But I don't they, think I have either. They, yeah, they play the Pelicans April 9th. so uh, I'm, I'm I'm thinking about taking a trip. I'm curious what you think about that? I've because I've heard mixed reviews. Yeah, yeah. If I go, if I go, you know, I'll definitely you know put everything on on social. You're media. gonna if it, if you're thinking about going right now, I know you're going already. For sure. Yeah, yeah, probably, probably. We'll see, we'll see. We'll see that. So, so anyway, I got to tell you, it's been weird this year, man, just because of all the protocols and everything like that, right? So, nor- norm- yeah. like, normally when I travel, it's just like, all right, cool, whatever, in the arena, do what I got to do, get out. But because of COVID this year, everything's been different, right? So, when I went to Orlando, Orlando was like, they handed me, like, a two-question survey. And they were like, have you been around COVID? And I was like, no. And they were like, okay, welcome. They were like. <laughs> oh, you mean in Florida? Really? They, they they're very loose about it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Orlando was like, all right, welcome. So and then uh, I went to Detroit and Detroit was they, they sent me they sent over like a, a 
a survey and an email and it was like, okay, have you experienced this, 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 or this? And uh, they also said we weren't allowed, uh, they, they couldn't, they didn't feed us. We had to bring in like our own food and drink and, and mm -hmm. they, and they had to approve of it first before entering Little Caesars Arena. They had to approve of it first. Okay. So I'm guessing no Papa John's pop. You, know, you guys don't have Papa John's out there probably, right? No, no pizza. No, hut. I mean, listen, they do, they do, but listen, little Caesars, they reign supreme out there in Detroit. So that's uh, what I mean. You probably weren't allowed to bring any other kind of pizza in there. Well, like, little like, Caesars and jets pizza is, is like, like, like it's, it's a supreme one out there. Like I'm jets. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's it's it, out there. It's a little different than being out here on the East Coast. I'm telling you. I'm sure it is. I, I definitely, I've, I've heard there's a, somebody actually told me there's a Detroit style pizza. What yeah. the fuck is that? I know deep dish, I know New York style, and then there's like standard. That's it. I mean, listen, Pizza Hut tried to sell it as like they put the sauce on top of the pizza, but like it doesn't work that way. I'm telling you, it's just, it's square. It's just, it's like a square. Um, they throw in a little more like flavor into it. It's, it's good. It's good. Like, like, oh. Like okay. Jets pizza is really delicious out there. That, that's what I had when I was out there because I hadn't had it since I was a kid. So. Of course. Yeah, it makes sense. Totally. I, every time I go to Chicago, I get deep dish. I love that. I, don't, I won't have it around here, though. It's just not the same. No, absolutely. So anyway, so that was Detroit. Um, and then when I went to Tampa, there, there was no survey. There was no temperature check. They were like, all right, come on, man. Just like, w welcome in. And I was like, all right. So like, like just, it kind of just, it made me, it was really it's really interesting to kind of see how different cities and states are handling all this, right? So that, I like we're building up to something the opposite of all that. Oh, believe me, we are. So, <laughs> oh boy. so I went to, and then I went to DC. I went to DC and it was just like, you know, they checked my temperature and it was like a, a survey. But other than that, like, you know, whatever. Like that was fine. New York, I had to get a whole COVID test at the arena, um, like just to enter MSG, right? So this was... This was an eight o'clock start time. They played the Knicks on uh, Sunday, right? I had to be there at four o'clock, like just to get COVID tested. And I've, and like I've never been tested before. Like I've been, I'm gonna be truthful. True. I'm gonna, oh wow, you haven't. I had it happen was it twice. No, once. I've had it once. Oh, that sucks. But like, listen, I'm, I'm gonna be truthful. That's how, I've never really had the need to get tested before or anything like that, right? So I didn't know what to expect. I'm. Nick, I walked in and looked like a, the scene from ET when they all had the uh, the hazard the hazmat suits on and everything, and um and, and I mean like like it, it it was scary, it was intimidating. I'm not gonna lie. Like I walked in there and uh you know I checked in Kai Carlin Sixers wire and they were like okay go to table six to get your test and I was like oh my god this is this is weird it's weird um so yeah they 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 stuck the swab up my nose both my nostrils and you know half an hour later i got a negative test of course because you know i'm a healthy dude but like it, it, it was strange it was really strange and it was weird because for an eight o'clock start time i'm not showing up to the arena till like six or like 5 30 at the earliest so mm -hmm. i had so now i'm there at four o'clock it's an eight o'clock okay. eight o'clock start time doc doesn't speak till 6 30 and, and i mean like like what what am I really doing here? Like, why am I here this this long? Then the game went to overtime. Mm, that's, a, that's a day, man. Oh so I was at I was at MSG from four o'clock, and I think I left at like twelve ten in the morning. Well, that sounds like so much fun. I'm so jealous. Yeah, I mean, listen, it is what it is. And then I took the subway back to my best friend's house uh, apartment, I should say, in the Bronx, because that's where I was staying. 
a good friend of mine. And uh, the, su- the subway ride, the subway ride in New York is always interesting. I had a dude try to sell me a lighter. I had a dude. And by the way, he was filling up the lighter on the subway. He pulled out lighter fluid and like lit- and filled up the lighter on the, on a moving subway. <laughs> it was like. What? <laughs> yeah. God, there's always, I, that's a new weirdo for me on the subway. I definitely remember I, when I interned there in, uh, in New York for a little bit, it was back in college, it was years ago. There was always a weirdo. And I remember in Chicago, always, always. you always have weirdos on the L there in the T in Boston. But God, New York's like. A little different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and this wasn't this this wasn't this past trip. This was when I went up there at uh um actually this was January twenty twenty. This was like right before COVID. So this was like still during like normal times. But like yeah, this dude was filling up a lighter fluid, like a lighter on the on the moving subway. It was uh, it was absolutely crazy. <sighs> Um, Sounds like it's fun though at the at the garden though. I'm uh, I'm 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 really like I wish wish I could have been there with you. Ooh. No, I'm, I mean like listen, it's, it is what it is. I mean, just it was definitely strange. It's definitely interesting to kind of see how each team, each city, each state is handling all of this. It's definitely um, it, it's it's cool to kind of experience because like even here in Philly, you know, you just you kind of fill out a survey, they check your temperature, you make sure you're good. But like other than that, I mean like they're not doing like anything excessive or things like that. So I don't blame philly for handling you kai carlin that way but i would understand a team saying okay he's coming from, these are beat writers from other places we have to give him a covid test it's annoying but like the game's ridiculous but i understand them doing that but like listen even even the knicks beat writers they test them every single game. yeah that's 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 excessive too. so i mean just it's, again it's like you know i, I guess like uh, New York is so densely populated and things like that. They that they gotta they got to do what they gotta do, but but like yeah, this is it's kind of interesting how um yeah. like, like going on the road this year. It's just it's, it's been different on how the teams have handled things. It's, it's, it's interesting. I will admit that it's definitely interesting. It's one way to put it. I I I don't know. Like if you had like a gun to my head, I don't know if I would prefer the magic way. Or the Knicks way. Like I, 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 I mean, I'm preferring the magic way any day of the week. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm preferring the magic way. <laughs> That's just me. Like after ex- hours beforehand is ridiculous. I couldn't do that. Like, listen, after experiencing both, I would definitely prefer the magic way. <laughs> like, I probably would too at the end of it all. But, but, you know, I mean, listen, I understand why the Knicks are doing it because, listen, New York is a densely populated, you know, area, obviously, but – just it, it it is what it is at that. And Florida point. doesn't believe coronavirus is a thing, so it's not just Florida. The South, have you, like, have you seen Texas? Like, took away their mask. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. And, and then and then also the Texas Rangers on opening day. I don't know if you saw that. They're going to have a full capacity of forty thousand one hundred fifty eight or something like that. Oh. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Like, listen, te- Texas and then Mississippi too. Mississippi said no more masks in Mississippi either. So, I mean, like, just it's interesting how like the South has not given a damn throughout this whole thing. That's you know. And, you know, I talked about this with Cam, too, when Cam was still doing the podcast with me. Uh, we just – we kept making jokes because the South really has not given a damn, like, throughout this whole entire thing. It's been it's been crazy. It hasn't just been Florida. It's just been the entire South. Georgia, uh, the Carolinas even. Yeah. I, the Carolinas even. I know the Carolinas have kind of been a little loose with their stuff, too. So, it's just it, – it's interesting. It is what it is. Um, I mean, listen – I mean, listen, the vaccine's out. People are taking it. We're moving forward. There is light at the end of the tunnel, Nick. It does feel like there is light at the end of the tunnel. For the first time in a while, it does feel like we're kind of at the end of this thing. So, all right, Nick. Knock so, on wood. Yeah, for real. Honestly, knock on wood. Seriously, I'm <laughs> pandemic fatigued. Um, 
final thoughts, man. Uh, do you have, do you have any, any uh, final thoughts on the Eastern Conference race or anything like that, man? Uh, how terrible Batman is? Like, like, like well, what do you yeah. think? What do you think? I was going to say that Batman's the best superhero, but I guess I won't go there. Um, <laughs> I, I, would say, I would say, okay, the, um, I, still st- I stand by firmly that the, Sixer- the Sixers are the number two team in the Eastern Conference going forward, and it is going to – like the – if Anthony Davis does not come back, the most compelling playoff series or the most important one, I guess we'll say, is going to be the Eastern Conference Finals meeting between the Nets and the Sixers. I think that is foregone conclusion. Book that no matter what the Nets are getting there and no matter what the Sixers are getting there. And then I think if it's not the Lakers coming out of the East, as much as I was, I'm a Paul George guy and, all, and I like Kawhi a ton, I don't think anybody in the Western Conference is going to beat whoever comes out of the East this year. And I don't feel like we can, we've been able to say that in a long time yeah yeah i don't think we, we, we have been able to to see that for a while and like like the way i see it is the eastern conference is still i think it still runs through brooklyn um i do feel like miami is definitely going to make a push at some point they're the heat um the celtics are going to be tough the chicago bulls made a hell of a move with nikola vucevic you know they're mm. not they're obviously not factors this year but vucevic and zach levine for the future like the bulls cool. i like that yeah Chicago's not, not bad now anymore. Like, they're not terrible. Right. They're not. And I don't think they were terrible before that move. But now that they've added a guy like Vucevic and get him out of Orlando finally, they put him yeah. next to a guy like Zach Levine. And, and let, let, let's say, I mean, Chicago, they were able to build perfect around Zach and Nicola. All of a sudden, the Bulls are, are going to be mentioned in conversations, I feel like, in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then the top three for me are still Brooklyn, Philly, and Milwaukee. Um, I feel like Brooklyn and Philly are just kind of above the Bucks just because of their playoff success or lack of playoff success for uh, uh, Milwaukee. But, I mean, listen, it is what it is. But it's definitely going to be interesting to kind of see what happens moving forward. It's definitely going to be – it's going to be a fun yeah. playoffs. That's all I'm going to say. It's going to be a fun rest of the season. Yeah, a lot can happen still. But they, that, that's where uh, – we're, we're pretty much on the same page right now where, where everybody stands going forward. Exactly. So with that being said, uh, thank you, Nick Fryer, for hopping on. I'm Kai Carlin. We're out. We'll see you guys next time on The Bell Ringer. 